And I'll be reading from Titus chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Doing good for the sake of the gospel. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and in endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Excellent. Thanks, Billy. My name's Ollie. I'm one of the ministers of our church. And what a joy it's been to see the youth involved in our service today. Well, as we begin our uh, sermon, I'm going to pray. So please uh, pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father, we know that you are a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. We know that you care deeply for us. And so as we consider dating today, would you comfort those of us who have been hurt in past relationships? or who might long for a relationship that's never come, would you help us to find comfort in your arms? And Father, would you help us today to think rightly about who we are, so that we might honour you in all of our relationships, including our dating relationships? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you know, today we're thinking about dating, and I couldn't preach on dating without telling you about my favourite dating game show. It's called If You Are The One. It's a Chinese dating show. Um, basically, the premise for the show is that there's 24 women that all stand up the front, and each of the women has a light behind her to show that she's still in. And a guy has to come before the 24 women, and he has to woo them and attempt to convince them to go on a date with him. And at any point they want, the women can turn off their light to show they're not interested. And so as the guy attempts to woo them, his aim is to get to the end with at least one lady still having her light on to show she'll go on a date with him. And uh, to try and convince them he's worth dating, they do a few things. The guy comes out, he gets interviewed by the host, they show videos about him, and most enjoyable of all, they show interviews from his friends. Now, if you were a friend of someone on a show like that, what would you do? Surely you'd try and make him look as good as possible, wouldn't you? That's what we'd all do. But not these friends. They say quite incredible things. They say things like, oh, he's so lazy, his bedroom's so untidy. Or oh, he's got no sense of responsibility, he doesn't work hard. And as he's saying these things, and as the girls are hearing him, the lights are just going out, 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 out. As they're all like, no, nah, I'm not interested in dating someone like that. And it always makes me laugh. I always think to myself, what kind of friends are these? Surely they could have said better things than that. It's a, it is a great show. Do check it out if you are the one. But that's one story of dating, one way to go about finding a date. And all around us in the world, there's all sorts of other different stories on it. In Australia, dating's pretty informal and marriage is barely ever in mind, at least at first. But in Japan, they date in groups called gukons, and marriage is almost always the main purpose. In Cameroon, there's no such thing as dating. 
Instead, they have arranged marriages. So if a guy sees a girl he likes, he'll get his dad to go and talk to her dad. They'll haggle a price. And then once the dad of the girl agrees, then the marriage is arranged. It's set. And so wherever we look around the world, there's all sorts of different stories for dating. And the question is, well, which one should we listen to? Well, what we need to listen to is to God. If God's the one that made us, then surely he's the one that knows how we'll function best. And so today we'll be thinking about God's story for dating. And what we'll see is that it's a far, far better story for dating than any other story there is. Now, as we begin, you might be sitting there thinking, well, that sounds good, but I'm already married, or I'm too old for dating, or I'm not interested in dating, and so this sermon is not for me. But uh, actually, I'd like to say that this sermon is for you. Firstly, because the character things we're going to consider are character things that are relevant for every single one of us, single or not single, married or dating or something else. And secondly, though, because we all have people that we love, others that are likely to want to date at some stage, whether that be kids or grandkids, nieces or nephews, friends. And what we need to be able to do is to give them good godly, wise advice on how to go about dating. Because what happens when, uh, when dating starts is often the heart gets involved and then our friends or our kids or our nieces or our nephews uh, don't make the wisest choice. And so we need to be able to be there to give them good godly advice. And so no matter who you are, whatever your circumstances, today's sermon is still relevant for you. And so then, what is God's story for dating? It's a tricky one because in one sense, the Bible doesn't speak about it. We can't just flip to uh, the book called Relationships, chapter 4, verse 55, to find the Ten Commandments for dating. Culturally, it wasn't a thing in biblical times, and so uh, there's no direct reference to dating. But actually, what we find in the Bible is a whole lot of wisdom that can be applied across to dating. And so, for example, for starters, we see the concept in the Bible that there's only two kinds of relationships between men and women who aren't related, at least in God's eyes. There's married, and then there's brothers and sisters in Christ. We saw that in 1 Timothy chapter 5 a while back when we looked at it. And so what that shows us is that the only purpose of dating, the only purpose of sparking up some kind of romantic relationship is to head towards marriage. Now, that's so foundational. Let me say it again. The only purpose of dating is to test the water for marriage. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that as soon as you go on a first date with someone, you're locked into getting married with them. Of course not. You might date someone for a short time or a long time and then discover that actually you're not suited to marriage. And that's completely okay. Because in one sense, you've still achieved a purpose you still discovered whether you're suitable to marriage. And the answer was just no. This might be some of you right now. You might be in a relationship with someone that you have no interest in getting married to. If that is you, then you should break up. I know it sounds hard, but it's true for your sake and for their sake. If you are dating someone that you have no interest in getting married to and you never will have an interest in getting married to, then you should break up. 
And so then, uh, if, the ma- if the purpose of dating is marriage, that's the why, what about the who? Who should you date? And we'll spend the rest of our time today thinking about the who, because in one sense, if you get the who correct, then the how will take care of itself. And we'll start with the blokes. What kind of man should you want to date, ladies? Well, if we listen to Hollywood, then it's a Prince Charming who's six foot tall, who has a beaming smile, whose fashion sense is on point, who has a quiet dignity about them. Uh, Perhaps someone a little bit like this. But what should you actually look for in a man? Of course, something like that. But the Bible is clear. If you're a Christian, then you must get married to a Christian. Someone who has put their trust in Jesus as their saviour for the forgiveness of their sins. We see that in 1 Corinthians 7. Paul says exactly that. And it makes sense. Because if the purpose of our lives is to love and serve God, if we get married to someone who doesn't have that purpose as their main goal in life, then we're going to be heading in opposite directions and it just won't work. And if dating, the whole point of dating is to test the water for marriage, then you must only date someone who is a Christian. Which means if you're currently dating someone who is not a Christian, then you must break up today. Don't put it off. Don't think about it. Don't wait. Do it. Because your heart is deceptive. And the longer you wait, the harder it will become. And so with that foundation of must be a Christian, there's lots of Christians out there. So then the question is, well, what kind of Christian guy should you date, ladies? Uh, Titus 2 is a particularly helpful chapter when thinking about this. It paints a clear picture of what a godly man and a godly woman look like. And in fact, not just for those of us who are thinking about dating, but for all of us, this is what a godly man and woman looks like. And for men, we're given four points about what a godly man looks like. The first is this, he cultivates self-control. Have a look at verse 6. Similarly, older men encourage the younger men to be self-controlled. Now, the word for younger men here can refer to anyone between the ages of 12 to 40. And Paul says, you young men, be self-controlled. It's a simple statement, but it's not an easy statement, is it? And so what I want to do for this one and for all of the points we'll consider today is give you some tests for you to evaluate yourself. So guys, you can evaluate yourself, assess yourself, but women, you can evaluate or assess guys you might be interested in. And so the first test for this one is this. Guys, are you in control of your passions? Do you have a temper? Do you get grumpy and irritable? When you're watching the footy, are you in control of your passions or do you let them consume you? Do you yell and scream and get angry? Uh, This is something I find personally really challenging. I'm uh, quite passionate when I watch Melbourne play. I was quite passionate last night. And I can't let this opportunity pass without celebrating the fact that Melbourne has ended top of the ladder this year. And praise God for that. But it's so easy to let our temper take control of us when we're in that situation. Guys, are you in control of your passions? And what about your sexual passions? Guys, are you self-controlled and pure 
in your dealings with your sisters in Christ? Do you keep your hands to yourself? Now, we might wonder, well, how do I do that? What's okay and what's not? Is hugging okay? Is holding hands okay? But I think the key to remember here is that passage Shreya read out for us earlier, Matthew chapter 5, which reminds us that sexual sin isn't always physical. Rather, it's what's going on inside our hearts. And so if anything leads you guys or leads her to sin in your hearts, then you need to be self-controlled and avoid it. I was chatting with a friend recently and he said this is the advice he gives to couples. Keep it on the vertical plane, not the horizontal. That is, don't lie down together. Because when you start lying down, then self-control becomes harder and harder. And before you know it, one thing has led to another thing. And it's not good. And so guys, are you self-controlled in matters of sexuality and purity? It's your job to lead well in this area. The other test is this. Are you in control of your priorities? Are you someone who's careful about what you say yes to and what you say no to? Ladies, if a guy is so disorganized and has such bad control of his priorities that he never gets to church on time, you should question, is he in control of his priorities? Is he in control enough? And, if he's, and is he so in control of his priorities that he prioritizes time spent with God? Is he willing to say no to some things, to say yes to church, to say yes to God's word, to say yes to growth group, If yes, then that is the kind of guy you want to date. Guys, are you someone who cultivates self-control? From here, Paul then starts addressing Titus, and he tells them to be a tupos, that is a type, uh, an example for men to follow. And so even though these verses are directed explicitly at Titus, they still apply to all men, because what are the men to do? They're meant to follow in Titus' example. And so then the next thing we're to look for in a guy is a guy who has a reputation for being righteous. Is he someone who's known for being good? Have a look at verse 7. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. Blokes, is this you? Do you do what's good? Are you generous and kind? Not just kind to those who benefit you for being kind, but to all. Are you righteous towards fellow believers? Uh, Who do you talk to at church? Do you care for those who are by themselves, even if it means missing out on talking to your friends? Do you sacrificially give up your time to serve at church, especially in ministries that might not seem so glamorous? Ladies, look for a guy that loves others just like Christ loved the church. And guys, this is who you should be, not because it's a ploy to somehow convince girls to date you, but rather because we're to imitate Christ and this is what he's like. And so that's the first test for this. Are they righteous towards believers? But also, are they righteous towards unbelievers? Guys, what are you like? What are you like? away from church. 
See, in one sense, it's easy to put on a show at church. You know everyone expects certain kinds of behaviours. But what are you like when there's no other Christians around? Are you still kind and caring, compassionate and gracious, or do you morph into a different kind of person? Ladies, if you're considering dating a guy and he's different around Christians and non-Christians, then don't even consider him. You want someone who's righteous no matter who they're around. And thirdly, for those who are already dating, guys, are you righteous towards your girlfriend? Are you so committed to being righteous to her that you're willing to set boundaries, emotional boundaries? Do you heed the wisdom of Song of Solomon and not awaken love before its time? Do you righteously protect her emotions? And what about spiritual boundaries? Of course, it's great to study God's Word together and sit under God's Word together and grow in God's Word together. But are there spiritual boundaries? If your and her spiritual lives are tied up together, then there's issues. And are you righteous enough to set physical boundaries? We thought about this before, but it's so important because until you stand up here and make those vows, you are not married. And there's the possibility, be mindful, that she could be someone else's wife. And so are you being righteous with her? The third characteristic to look for in guys is, is he someone who treasures theological truth? Who handles God's word with the gravity that it deserves? Have a look at verse 7. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness. See, guys, it's so important that you're clear and true in what you teach and in what you believe. How do you know if this is you? Well, to start with, are you devoted to the truth? Do you actually spend time in God's Word? Girls, do you want to know how to recognize this in a guy? Ask him every couple of days what he's learning from God. If it's the same thing every time you ask him, then chances are he's not spending much time in God's Word. Or you could ask him this, not what are you learning, but what have you learned recently that has caused you to repent? In other words, did it have an impact on you? Now, of course, there's wisdom in terms of what we share and what we don't, but what you want to see is a guy who's devoted to the truth. And you also want to see a guy who's defensive of the truth. Uh, Guys, when you're at work or with your mates and someone makes fun of Christians or the Bible or God, do you say something or do you stay quiet? Ladies, you want a man who's courageous enough to defend God and what God says. Not because God needs it, of course God doesn't need it but it shows something about someone who's willing to stand up for the truth, that's willing to fight for what's right. And so watch for a guy who treasures God's word, who treasures theological truth. Because if he can't lead his own life biblically, then what makes you think he can lead your life biblically? And finally, guys, do you have a soundness of speech? Verse 8. And soundness of speech, 
that cannot be condemned. You can tell more about a man by what he says than any other characteristic, than what he, the car he drives, the clothes he wears, the people he spends time with. Why? Well, because Jesus says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That is, our words are an overflow from our hearts. And so, guys, are you careful with what you say? Or do you just say whatever springs to mind without even thinking about it? I used to work with a guy that legitimately asked a lady when she was due, when she wasn't actually pregnant. And guys, that can't be us. We need to be careful with what we say because words matter. And we also need to be careful with how we say it. We're to speak the truth in love. Now, uh, too many guys think, well, what I said was true. Well, it might be. But did you say it in a way that was good? If we need to rebuke, then let us not be unnecessarily harsh, lest we crush them. And if we need to encourage, then let us not use unnecessary flattery, lest we give them a big head. How we say things matters just as much as what we say. And we should also be careful with what's not said. Blokes, sometimes we just need to shut our mouths. Sometimes, most of the time. Before you speak, think to yourself, does this need to be said? Is there a good purpose in saying this? And be, so be careful with what you don't say. Ladies, date someone who's got a soundness of speech because it reveals a gospel-shaped heart. And so that's our four things to look for in a man. And mums and dads, wouldn't you want your daughter to date someone like that? And so men, is this who you are? Is this who you're becoming? If the answer is no, then quite simply, you're not ready to date yet. By the power of the Holy Spirit, work on this first before you even think about dating someone. Not because this is how you'll get a girlfriend, but because this is what men of God are to be like. And ladies, don't settle for the first guy that asks you out. Look for someone like this. But what about the ladies? What kind of woman should men want to date? In real estate, there's a saying uh, for how you choose a house. It's location, location, location. And I think it's often a little bit the same what we're told about the kind of woman we should look for. It's looks, looks, looks. And uh, being visual beings, us men, so easily fall for that lie. But what we see in Titus chapter 2 is that looks don't come into it at all. It's not even mentioned once. Instead, we're given a far better story for the kind of woman we should want to date. So like with the, guy, the points for the guys, these things apply to all of us, male and female. But firstly, does she have a love of liking? Have a look at verse 4. Then older woman, women can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children. Now, uh, you might say, well, Ollie, it says love there, and so shouldn't I look for a woman who loves to love? Uh, but Greek is a funny language. They have 
quite a lot of different words for the concept or the idea of love, and each has its own distinct flavor. The word used here in the Greek is philio, which carries the idea of kind of tender care and affection. It's actually about liking someone. And so women are to love to like their husbands and their kids. Why? Well, because I don't know if you've, you're aware of this or you've realized this, but men and kids are not always easy to like. Men are sweaty and vulgar. We've got hair all over the place, except in the places it's meant to be. And kids are always messy and disobedient. They destroy anything they can get their hands on. Levi's in a stage where he just bites everything at the moment. See, men and kids are difficult to like sometimes. But the kind of woman you should want to date is someone that loves to like. And so, girls, if you're dating, do you like your boyfriend? Are you willing to learn to like him? Do you or will you show interest in what he's interested in, in his hobbies? I've got a good friend who plays Dungeons and Dragons, and even though his wife has no interest at all in something so nerdy, she shows an interest in it, and she listens to his kind of rambling inane anecdotes about it. She loves to like him. And guys, that's the kind of woman you want to date, someone who's intentional about liking you. And does she like children? Now, this comes more naturally to some than to others, but actually, it's something that's learned more than coming naturally. Now, it goes, you might say, well, I don't have kids at the moment, how am I meant to do that? But actually, the best time to learn to like kids is before you have kids. And so certainly I'm happy to serve you and let you practice and learn to like kids on Levi. You can come and look after him while Cassie and I go on a date night. But guys, look for someone who loves children. Uh, the next point then, what we should look for is the same as with the guys. Look for someone who cultivates self-control. Have a look at verse 5. Be self-controlled and pure. Just like the men, women are to be self-controlled. And so, ladies, are you in control of your tongue? Are you pure in what you say about others? When you get a juicy bit of information about others, are you self-controlled enough to hold your tongue? Or can you not help yourself? Now, maybe you put a holy veneer on it and you say, well, I'm only telling someone else so we can pray about it. But in reality, it's gossip. You're not in control of your tongue. Is that you? Guys, you don't want to date someone who can't control their tongue, who'll nag or complain, who'll use words to tear others down instead of build them up. As James says, though the tongue is small, it is powerful. And ladies, are you in control of your vanity? Are you pure like Paul says? Or do you like that feeling you get when guys show an interest in you? And so you lead them on a bit, you flirt a bit, not because you're interested in them, but just because you like how it feels. Guys, don't date someone that's not in control of her vanity, someone who's not pure in how they act to men. Just like you men need to be self-controlled in how you act towards women. 
And thirdly, look for a girl who loves her home. Uh, the language used in verse 5 is busy at home. Now, it's not saying that women can't work or women must be stay-at-home mums or wives, but rather, for women who are wives and mothers, then don't neglect your home. Don't neglect your husbands or your kids. And I think the best test for this is, are they already investing in their loved ones? Girls, are you spending time with your parents, loving and honouring them? Are you spending time with your siblings? Are you spending time with your nieces and your nephews? Do you always have time for your friends, no matter what's going on? See, have you invested? How you invest in your loved ones now gives a good indication of how you'll invest in your home life later. And the kind of woman you should date is also continuously kind. She's a kind person and everyone knows it. Have a look at verse 5. So older women urge younger women to be kind. Is she kind to the lowly? How does she treat people that no one else cares about? I once heard a story about how at hospitals there's often a hierarchy. And so the the specialists and the doctors are on top, then the nurses are underneath, and right down the bottom are the cleaners. And apparently in some cases, the doctors and the specialists and even the nurses sometimes won't even talk to the cleaners because they're seen as so lowly and so unworthy of their time. The kind of girl you should look to date is someone who would show an interest in that situation who would be kind and, lo- kind and loving to the lowly and who's also kind to her boyfriend. Girls who are dating, are you kind to your boyfriend? Or do you always make fun of him in front of others? Are you short-tempered with him? Guys, look for someone who's kind to you now because when you're dating or when you're friends, you're on your best behaviour. And so if she's not kind to you now, It will only get worse when you get married. And the final thing to look for in a girl is look for a wife who respects her husband. Have a look at verse 5. And to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Now, we don't have time to go into this in a lot of detail today. If you'd like to chat more then I'm always happy to chat. John and Michelle and the elders are always happy to chat. So do talk with us in more about this. But suffice to say this, God's picture for marriage is equal yet different. There's a headship that exists in marriage, just like there is in the Trinity. And you want to date someone who hears that and accepts that. If you don't agree on this, then it will be a constant source of tension. And so maybe it's wiser not to date, not to get married. But guys, this comes with incredible responsibility for you. It's your job to lead like Christ, to lay your life down for your girlfriend or for your wife. And so that's the kind of woman you should want to date. I mean, in a sense, who cares if she's hot? Go for the one that loves Jesus. Go for the one that loves others. Because she's the one that will love you. And so that's Titus 2, and that's the advice for younger men and younger women. 
But what you'll have noticed in Titus 2 is that Paul also gives advice for older men and older women. We don't have time to look at it in a lot of detail, but what you'll see as you look through it is that one of the key things that older men and older women are meant to do is disciple and mentor those who are younger. We don't just leave them to flounder by themselves. We're to use our age and our experience to bless other believers, and particularly how important this is for dating, to give them advice and godly guidance as they try and date. And I do know some in our church already do this. Some older couples have invited younger couples over to their house and had dinner together and given them godly wisdom and advice on dating, and praise God for that. And so if you're an older man or an older woman, why not consider finding someone younger and mentor them? I remember when I was a younger man, I certainly longed for someone to share their wisdom and their advice on godliness and dating and on life. And at different stages in my life, people did do that. And I look back so fondly on those times. It was so helpful. And so if you're an older man or woman, why not consider doing this? Why not find someone younger and disciple them. And so as we close then, I did spend a bit of time thinking about what's the best note to end on. And it has to be Christ. As John said earlier, we have to keep our eyes set on Jesus. Some of us might have been hurt from past relationships and we still bear those scars. Some of us might wish we were in a relationship right now and it fills us with sadness that we're not. Some of us might have wished we found a relationship, but we never did, and now we feel like time has passed us by and that opportunity is gone, and that breaks our heart. But never forget that we're not defined by our dating or relationship status. That's not who we are. Now we have a far greater identity, we belong to Jesus. We were bought with his blood. And so look to him, the one who will love you far more than any boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife. The one who will never let you down and never break your heart. The one who died for you. That's a relationship far, far better than any other relationship. So look to Jesus. Set your eyes on him. I'm going to pray as we end. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, the wisdom that your word gives us to the kind of men and women we're to be. We pray that you would be shaping us into men and women who are godly, just like uh, Titus, uh, Paul says to Titus here. Please help us to be men and women who love others and love you. Please help us to be men and women who are great character, godly, thoughtful and kind. Not so that, that that's some kind of uh, secret trick to getting a, a dating partner, but rather because that's what our identity is as people that belong to you. So please do be shaping all of us to be like that. We pray for those of us who are in dating relationships or who are considering entering dating relationships. Help us to set the bar high like it is here. Help us to look for people that reflect Christ. But ultimately help us to remember that it's not any kind of uh, attempt at being saved. Help us to know that this is the outflow of the salvation we have in Christ. 
that his salvation comes first and this flows out. Uh, Finally, please help those of us who might be hurting or sad to set our eyes on Christ, to look to him and to find our identity in him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.